There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E.com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, Alma Woods people? It's a rainy day here. Is it ever going to stop raining, Casey? Never. No. Never. Uh-uh. Not in our lifetime. <laughs> what, what is this? I was telling you earlier, like last year, we we talked about how like every cold front came in in the middle of the night. And so like every time we went to hunt a cold front, it was a morning hanging hunt, which is not the easiest thing to do. And this year... Every cold front has rain in it. There's no, there's no good dry cold front, yeah. you know? And if you're a public land hunter, you don't have a giant box blind to go climb into whenever this is going down. So yeah. it's really, really tough to make it happen. Yeah, it is, man. I'm, I'm definitely not hunting in this. This morning, I would have hunted because, you know, if I didn't know. The thing is, you don't know, like, when it's a, like, 40, 50, 60% chance all day. Like, mm-hmm. it may be like a light sprinkle twice over the course of three hours. Or it could do what it just did for the last five minutes, you know, for the yeah, whole time. pour down. Like, there's no rating for the intensity of the rain that will happen <laughs> yeah. in that 40, 50%. Yeah. I honestly, like, at least in my house this morning, it didn't really start raining at all until about 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when I went to bed, the forecast showed that it'd start raining at 4 a.m. I know. And it didn't do that. Yeah, I know. I should have been hunting. But anyway, you know one thing I've noticed in the last couple of hours before you got here? Oh, what? I'm an ugly mug. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go it, dude. Like, I, I think I get uglier every day. In deer season, at least, because I'm not getting the sleep that I need. Nope. Uh-uh. Like, I was looking at myself on, you know, the footage of what has been going on, and, and I'm like, man, I look tired and rough. Sorry, dude. 
It's, it's fine because you're a stone cold killer. Man, That's what matters. I don't know if I'm stone cold, but well, what's you're not a hot rock killer. Whatever's in between there, <laughs> <laughs> room temperature pebble killer. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So what has been going on? Man, I killed a deer. That's good, dude. Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, so I knew that, yeah. actually. Yeah, you but did. But I don't know much more right. than that. This has been weird. Mm-hmm. I think I know what deer it is. We've kind of talked about what <laughs> yeah. deer it was, but that's that's the extent that I know. But you still haven't seen any pictures of this I deer. Not, no, I haven't seen nada. So you technically don't know what this I deer I know what social like. media knows pretty much. Yeah. We, yeah. we saw this deer in November mm-hmm. and got a little bit of footage from several hundred yards. I mean, mm-hmm. other than that, like you have no clue what he probably looks like really, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it's weird. I'm excited. It's weird to like hold off for a day, you know, to, yeah. to before I talk to you about this you were wanting to tell this story yesterday to me on the drive yeah. but i call leave these acorns hitting the re- ceiling why are they still falling <laughs> why <sighs> but you're wanting to tell this drive to me i mean <laughs> sell the story to me on the drive on the way home but it was a real busy evening for me yesterday so we couldn't do it yeah but uh we also had another podcast to get out so if you haven't listened to that go listen to the lucas psycho yeah breakdown from this week but uh anyways um yeah, I'm ready to hear the story now, dude. So okay. uh, let's just get into it if you're ready to tell it. Sure. Are you mentally prepared to tell the story? Yeah, I mean, like I have, uh, I actually woke up thinking about like, thinking about points or thoughts. There were thoughts that I had like around this whole experience mm-hmm. that just like I woke up thinking. It was mm-hmm. almost like an epiphany hit me while I was sleeping and said, wake up and think about this That's or cool. whatever. And as usual, I'll probably like struggle to articulate my feelings, my thoughts. Um, I'm not the the most poetic sometimes, quickly at least, you know. So, but like anyway, what what happened originally? How far should I go back? Should I, think I go back you should to go November? Back a ways, okay. So okay. I think that we should talk about. Tell me why you decided to hunt that spot that evening. Okay. Um. The wind, basically. Okay. So there's there's uh, several factors other than that, though. Okay, so Casey and I have worked... Actually, we've worked really hard to get a few permissions up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also worked really hard to like see every public property that we can in a pretty large radius. Very large, yes. And so uh, <laughs> that way we know our options, right? And, you know... A lot of a lot of walk-in up there where we're we're at. Most, I mean, a lot of it is not like just you don't go like, oh man, I bet there's a bunch of deer that use that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Most of it, and most so, of it's, I bet there's a bunch of upland birds that use that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that twelve foot grass right there, or whatever you know. But uh, anyway, so we we worked hard to find a few spots, and so like we've got confidence in five or six spots there, right? And then. Um, you know, our lease that my dad and I are on or whatever mm-hmm. up there. Um, my dad is gracious enough to allow me to be on that lease because I'm not paying for it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, so it technically a permission as well. But on that particular permission, there are a few spots I can hunt, right? Mm-hmm. So one pretty big chunk of just wide open land um, that is okay in certain situations, certain years. And then um, another spot along like a creek corridor those are kind of my two options right now and um those two options on that property along with two other permissions i think we have and maybe three public spots um i had a northwest wind and we 
we actually hunted on like a north northeast in this spot that I went to that afternoon, which was two afternoons ago. Seems like forever ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like barely, we weren't really, we really weren't, I don't know. We were, we picked the right spot to sit, but we didn't want to sit there necessarily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That wasn't going to be probably a great spot to sit and get a shot and everything. It was kind of an observation sit, but right. we thought we had a chance. To I may be getting too long winded with the answer no, no, to this no, question. No, this is good. But um, so. <clears throat> anyway, our ideal situation was to be sitting on this bluff. So the deer, we had noticed the first time we went in there, we kind of got in late and it was kind of just a Hail Mary at the end of the day. We thought, man, we need a spot, you know, we're not really finding what we need driving around. And it was action packed. Yeah. I mean, crazy. as soon as we got there, we weren't set up yet. We got into the canyon and we were like going to pick a spot from there, which is, you know, several hundred or several hundred yards worth of looking at spots and everything in, in that particular area and as soon as we got there it's like drop down there's a deer coming over the top of this ridge you know and so we saw two bucks one of which was this buck called frankenstein um and so and the other one was a big eight point and i don't know how old he was but the thing is like i have to make this decision this is where i was going with this mm-hmm. is i have to make this decision when we go up there um, on my dad's, the the place my dad's on, <laughs> between the acorns and the deck of <laughs> the Hot Wheels here, I'm struggling. Uh, but on on the particular property that my dad is on, they you know they kind of are in it for the long run, and they want to like five years old is the goal, right? Mm-hmm. So that limits your options big time. There's just not many five year old deer out there, you know, and so on these permission properties in public, it's more like three years for me, yeah. you know, like we're looking for like a representative representative of the species at three years old. And, uh, so that gives me a lot more options on those. So those are the places I want to really go hunt because I'm not above shooting 115 inch deer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If, if it's a nice little three year old, you know, and especially at this point in the, in the year, December, things, things change in December. You know yeah, what I mean? Like sure. goals, and stuff starts to go out the window, and it's time. I'm glad to... you said that, dude. We've talked about this before, but like these people who say like don't shoot something, don't pass something that you wish you'd shot at the end of the year, that ain't me, Mm-mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine if that's your philosophy. I'm not telling you you're wrong or right. You know, it's up to you. But like, I'm the same dude, way. Right now, I'm ready to go up there and shoot a meat buck. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. I was just telling you, like here in Texas. Yeah, I was passing does on public in areas. You know that I was hoping a big buck would follow him mm-hmm. early this year. It ain't happening no more. Mm-hmm. I need, I need some meat, and so, um, but anyway, so I end up saying that on this northwest wind, it sets up perfect for the area that we wanted to hunt um, on that on the the lease permission. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that place, though. Yeah, that open country. Well, place. it's it's a big uh, draw system, okay. and uh, depending on crop rotations, uh, there's usually some sort of wheat field that it leads to, yeah. um, that it kind of heads out towards. And you spent a lot of time over there in the, in the past? I have. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I've spent, uh, I mean, we've, we've, uh, been hunting that place for 10, this is the 10th year we've been hunting that place. And so it's, uh, I've definitely spent some time over there. It's a property that does not bow hunt well, mm-hmm. but there's been, there's been a few giants killed over there with a rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big deer over there pretty much every year, yeah. like a very large deer. Is it, has it always been good? Uh, I think the first year or two, we just, uh, didn't want it. Yeah. We were like, why do we have to lease this piece of grazing ground over here? And then we started figuring out via some, you know, 
a rifle hunter or two that this was uh not a bad spot so but i i choose to archery hunt up there and um when you're looking at a couple square miles or whatever it is of of property that has um about three like stand trees in it Mm -hmm. and that's probably pushing it too. Right? It's probably two and a half, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, honestly, like uh, potential stand trees that you can actually get shots out of to a place that deer would be. Yeah. It's like two or three trees, probably. Mm-hmm. And one of them is so giant. I don't know if you get a stand in it. Yeah. Um, and up there, the like archery or rifle is a true choice. It's right. not like here where like, well, it's a, a harder choice. A, a more solid line because right. you have one or the other tag. It's not like in Texas where like you can choose to just keep your bow in your hand. Yeah, I'm putting my gun in my stand with me just in yeah. case the deer doesn't come in. You know, yeah. that's not how it happens. So yeah, you have to choose one or the other. Um, so anyway, I had chosen on this north wind to hunt this this particular spot because when we were up there in November and saw the way that some of the deer were moving, and then um, were we did we hunt it twice in late November? Is that how it went? Right. The late November trip, we hunted it twice, I think. Mm-hmm. And the second time, two days in a row, we saw more deer, mm-hmm. but, but um, patterns had changed just a touch. Uh-huh. But they still were coming through a very, a very similar area, and we made assumptions as to where the deer would actually come through that second day, as well, and they did. And so there's a saddle on one of these ridges in between the canyons mm-hmm. that. And I think previous knowledge helped you with that because I would have never looked at that and said, deer are going to come over that right there. Mm. Like something that you knew about that place led you to believe that deer were going to use that saddle because you knew what's on the other side of the saddle. Right. right? Yeah. It's, yeah, that's the main, the main drainage, you know, on the other side, uh, that I think there's bedding and, and that kind of thing that happens more over there. Um, and so they don't like to go up high, but they, but if it's a if it's a straight line, if it's a quick drop over, you know that kind of thing. And the, and this is looking at the aerial, I could see that's where that's where the two canyons come the closest together. It's also a low slung spot, you know. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, but a few hundred yards after they come through that saddle, there's a there's a bluff on the south side and a smaller bluff that kind of goes north and south, um, and it basically kind of I guess the bluff flattens out at about 45 yards so from the from the bluff on the south side so we had kind of talked about this but sitting on that bluff you would probably have a shot at deer coming through the middle of that draw mm-hmm. and so they're forced to either walk the top, way, way high the top or go within 45 yards of that bluff right through the through the, the canyon there and yeah. so and there's cattle on this place so like there's cow trails at 40 and 27 mm-hmm. is what i from where i set up and, um, and so like I had, I put my decoy out, the heads up decoy, uh, like probably 30 yards from me facing up the Canyon. And I thought, well, if nothing else, maybe a deer will get inquisitive and come to within about 35. So I don't have to take that 40 yard shot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of sitting over here on the other side and I, man, I pick a good spot. I'm on the very side of this bluff and basically in some tall CRP grass, um, and I've got this whole like bluff, like coming up on the up, uphill side of me so that like I can see over the top. And then when I see a deer coming, scoot down and get behind the bluff and, and I'm ready to like lay back and draw and pop up and shoot, you know? So it was a good, it was a good situation. Um, but should I go back to like historical, like historical, or history with this deer, I guess. Well, let's talk about like 
Yes, but tell me, like, what deer you went in there to kill well, and what your options were. I So the, the thing about this property is nobody's hunting it right mm-hmm. now. And so we don't know what's over there, but there has been a five-year-old gigantic deer every year over there yeah. so that we've hunted this place. So like knowing that um, <clears throat> and knowing that nobody's been over there, I kind of think, well, this is kind of an untouched property. Um, we've seen deer moving this trap, particular travel route. Like there's a good chance that a shooter buck comes by me tonight here, mm-hmm. a big one. And we had seen that big eight over there. I didn't know what he was going to be, but at this point in the year... Uh, if he was four, I might just go ahead and smoke him because yeah. my dad has shot some younger deer yeah. on accident. Well, he's a big eight <laughs> so. with, with shorter threes. I got a better look at him than you did. Yeah. So, like, still a great deer, but, like, he's not going to be the buck that turns into a 180 one year right. most likely, right. you know? So. Yeah. So, that was an option. Yeah. And then um, and then the deer that we had seen lead the pack the first time we were in mm-hmm. there um, was a buck that I thought was um, – Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So, and the story of Frankenstein. The story of Frankenstein goes back to 2015. It may even go back further because <clears throat> in 2015, I started to make assumptions about what this deer might have, which deer this might have been in the past. Mm-hmm. So, in 2013, I believe, I have pictures of a deer down there. That was a good year. We had, uh, two giants that I was chasing over there all year. Well, all year until I got, uh, till I divulged that information to other members and they <laughs> said, Oh, I'm higher on the totem pole than you. Um, and went in there and kind of kicked me off the spot, but I'm the low man on the totem pole. Cause you know, I don't pay anything. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, the, this deer in 2013, this was one of the ones that nobody really paid attention to cause the other big ones, but there was a giant, just toad-bodied, heavy-horned eight-point. And actually, uh, my buddy Justin Wright, who's been on the podcast, has one of the sheds off this deer, I believe. And I don't know this with much certainty at all, but I have a really good feeling, just a gut feeling, <clears throat> that this deer was Frankenstein. This is an old buck at that, like, eight-year mark where, like, his horns aren't as quite as big as they were at seven. They're starting to get, hit that downhill He's, but he's still like fat body, you know, just old fat man. Is there trail cam pictures of that deer? Uh huh. I've got some. I'll okay. have to show you. Yeah. Um, but this deer is what I what I was thinking. Frankenstein. I think Frankenstein. I think it's Frankenstein. I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's not a ton of deer out there. So like when you see a deer over the you know years and years, you got to kind of think that some of these deer might be the same deer year to year. Mm-hmm. And we have seen a lot of that happen over there. I mean, once they get out of the Canyon, there's a lot of high country to go across before they go somewhere else. So mm-hmm. they're going to stay in that home range for the most time for most of their life. And so anyway, in 15, uh, was hunting with some buddies up there. Um, one of my buddies was on the lease with us and he, in, tw- in 2015, in October, let's see, it was like October, 19th maybe and we're sitting there on a wind that we think is good and we're expecting deer to come from a different direction and all of a sudden like i don't remember what i don't remember the exact story but it was like we look upwind and there's a deer at like 75 yards looking straight at us and we're downwind uh, downwind yeah and we're like oh you've got to be kidding me so big gnarly buck had this giant drop time with like a kind of a bulb at the end of it you know and just I want to say there's still like some velvet on it, you know, just dried up or whatever. It couldn't get off. But 
one of those bucks that you're just like, that's a nine year old deer plus, you know, like mm-hmm. that's an, that's a deer that has, is so old that he doesn't even grow normal looking or big antlers at all. I mean, it's just, it was literally like a main beam that went out like 12 inches and a drop tine off of it. And then maybe on the other side it's like 12 inches with like a little crown of small points on it and super non-typical anyway so the next night we go back in there to try to kill this deer um unsure if he had winded us or not um but thinking that maybe he had seen us moving around you know up there and he comes back he comes in right before dark i mean we were getting eaten up by mosquitoes and no seams you know hot day in october you know and uh, I'm like, I literally said, hey, wait 60 seconds because my buddy was, he was ready to go. And I was like, just mm-hmm. give it 60 more seconds. It's getting real dark. You know, we don't have much more after this. And I don't know why 60 seconds was the deal that I said, you know, <laughs> but I was like, just give it one minute, man. And literally in the next 20, 25 seconds, he's like, hey, right there coming across the fence, you know, to us or whatever. And ends up Frankenstein. It's the same buck. And he comes into he's making this path around us at like 40 yards basically i'm asking my buddy i'm filming i'm like how about how far how far because i because i don't know that he's ranged this deer at all mm-hmm. and he had ranged a spot and um i don't know I, I just think i think in that situation you're sitting in a tree should have probably ranged the deer as he's walking you know mm-hmm. what i mean and just you got your rangefinder here, stuffed in your pocket, clip on. You know what I mean? When you're looking at grass and ranging grass, it's real hard to keep exactly, up with the spot. Exactly. And so um, ends up shooting for 40, and the, the Frankenstein was at 35, mm-hmm. and hits high shoulder. He runs off, like, so fast, man. Never seen a deer run that fast, I don't think. And uh, Shooting Illuminati. I've seen the yeah, video. Yeah, it's a cool video. Yeah. Um, and so takes off goes and jumps the fence we looked the next morning didn't find any blood at all i mean we found one drop by the arrow mm-hmm. where the arrow had fallen out nothing and so um a few days later he was back on trail camera mm-hmm. acting just fine, fine. Huh? yeah so high, high <laughs> shoulders shot you know above the lungs or whatever i guess and um so we hunted that deer the rest of the year and actually the last day we hunted in like december 20th i think we had an encounter with him at 20 yards late in the morning, and he he was looking right at us. I mean, we didn't see him. He was coming through some real thick stuff mm-hmm. and ended up coming in real quiet at 20 yards. And we it got late in the morning, and we started jacking around, as you kind of do, you know. <laughs> and he was right there, dude. Yeah. He was about to walk under our stand, you know. And so he saw us, and that was the end of kind of that Frankenstein saga. My buddy wasn't on the lease the next year. And... Um, uh, so we didn't i mean i didn't think a whole lot more about him and then the next year um we had let's see uh one of my dad's buddies that's on the lease he saw frankenstein in like late november um close to a road what did he look like then well he he looked worse he had he had really thinned up especially in the back end and the gut his muscle mass was not nearly what it was the year before um, and definitely if that was him in 2013, didn't look anything like, you know, mm-hmm. body wise, he was really starting to get on that decline. His horns looked worse. He didn't have the big drop time, just not as much there going on. And, um, and so anyway, I hadn't seen him, but in, I think in December, it was a cold day. He comes in that same spot. I was sitting in the same tree in 20, as a 2015 and he comes in. In 16. And 16. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
never made it closer than about 40 yards and uh i didn't shoot him i didn't really have a have a shot technically at him so Mm -hmm. like he walks i mean he was he was super wily he he walks in and like wins you know checks the wind on the area see if there's any does i guess and then just turns around and walks off and he wasn't downwind to me so i know he didn't smell me you know um but so that was that was my experience in 2016 with him i think we have a few trail camera pictures from that year as well 2017 we tagged out early yeah. up there and didn't uh i didn't run cameras on that property and i hardly even ran a camera on the rest of the property and so i don't I mean, he had to have been down there, but mm-hmm. he didn't, uh, we don't have any pictures or anything. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe he's dead, you know. He, he was really old in 16. He was old in 15, yeah. heck, you know. So, Well, if you thought he was like 7 or 8 in 13. 13, start doing some math, and this is like one of the rarest deer yeah. around. Yeah. I mean, in 15, we've seen 7 and 8-year-old deer up there, mm-hmm. and they look super healthy and fat and they have a, a normal-looking rack, but it's usually like a big, heavy eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like Jack was seven, mm-hmm. big, heavy ten. Best rack he ever had at seven. And how do y'all know that they're for sure seven? I mean, we don't know for sure, but we have tons of trail camera back data. So like, But you're plus or minus a year on all these deals. Right. right? But, I mean, I, we made assumption that Jack was seven when we first – or was three when we first found him, mm-hmm. uh, when we first found pictures of so him. So, if anything, he's older than you think he is. That's what I think. Yeah. So you're gonna be able to tell the difference in a two and three year old pretty good. That's what that's how I feel about it. Is yeah. like when a deer hits three, at that point he could be three to five. You yeah. know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. don't really know a lot of times. And I think a lot of times you can tell a five and a three year old apart, but like three or four, they're pretty similar body style. At two, it's pretty easy to tell usually that that deer is two. He's pretty mm-hmm. long legged and skinny. You know, mm-hmm. uh, three they start to fill out. I feel like so. Yeah, I mean, so anyway, these deer that we've seen, Justin shot his buck in 2014. That video is on the YouTube channel if you haven't seen it, um, which I know a lot of you haven't. I think I released it at the wrong time. (laughs) But it's only got a couple hundred views. It's a great, great film. And so my buddy that shot Frankenstein in 15 actually filmed Justin shoot this buck in 14. And Justin, uh, I believe, got the teeth aged at eight on that deer. Huge body. Probably the biggest body deer we've seen up there. So I know that most of these deer at seven or eight are like prime body size mm-hmm. you know like uh so at so i'm thinking in 15 jack's nine right so this year we go back in november and we see we see did i say jack frank mm-hmm. frankenstein i'm thinking he was nine and 15 so anyway this year we go back in november and um we we see this deer come across the hill and he's like bad shape looking just arthritis looking you know kind of just not feeling good as he's walking head super low uh skinny like starting to cave in on where his muscle used to you know be and and uh we had seen him and i knew exactly when i saw him and i could i didn't even know really too many characteristics of his horns except for we had like a drop beam on one side Mm -hmm. and like a crown on the other side you know and i thought that's that's frankenstein 100 percent, you know and so i remember like sitting there with you and I don't remember who saw the deer. I think you saw the deer first. But we both threw our binos up, and I looked at his antlers like, oh, it's a young deer. And then I, I like, then scrolled down to his body, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, this deer looks like none, no other deer I've seen in Kansas. Mm-hmm. You know, he is dilapidated. Yeah. Just, you know? ex, ex, I mean, just to the, to the point of 
his chest looks abnormally large yeah. just because his rib cage is so big, but his back end is just zapped, man. Mm-hmm. I can't, it's, it's, he's not getting the nutrients out of his food anymore that he needs. And I yeah. don't know if that's like a, a no teeth anymore thing or mm-hmm. if that's like just that's what happens when you get old, you know. I mean, you've mm-hmm. seen old people. They, they start to lose muscle mass pretty at a certain age, it starts to lose. Low T, it. man. Yeah, it's going to happen to deer too. Right. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, we saw him then. And so, going back in, the first afternoon, I went up there solo this time around because you, if you listen to the last podcast, your your vehicle troubles and dealing with some stuff here. Um, went up there in the first afternoon. I had some pretty good confidence, man, for going up there solo and everything. But the first yeah. afternoon I go in there, I got the I got a perfect wind, man. It's blowing right at the bluff, so I'm going to sit on that bluff and blow back over the hill. And this deer is going to come from the west. And, man, it was later than the first time we saw him in November. But I remember we were texting about when did the deer come in mm-hmm. last time because – I, we were texting at the time when the deer had come in. You were yeah. asking me these, these things, like, you know, when those deer come in? Yeah. And it was, it was probably 20, 20, 25 minutes later, probably. Yeah. And I see a deer come up over the hill. And um, I put my binos up, and I'm like, oh, it's a doe. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, like, get the camera, and I'm like, I barely looked, you know, yeah. just to see, see if it was a giant buck or whatever, I guess. And uh, I get the camera up. I already had it up, but I pointed over there to him. I start zooming it in to get some footage. And I'm like, "That's Frankenstein." <laughs> Were you stoked at that moment? I was. I was pretty jacked up. Yeah. Um, uh, man, it's a, it's a. I don't know. This is like probably overstated and cliche, but it's such a weird feeling sometimes when you got this history. And I talked about it with Jack, but anyway, so this deer comes over the hill and stands for a second and they always like when they come over that saddle they seem to like look around see mm-hmm. what's in the canyon for a second you know and that's what he did he's kind of dropped over the skyline and looked around and then he just like comes down the hill and like the hill just carries him so he like t- he's running and he's starting to run at me and like he doesn't slow down very fast at all probably because his joints hurt you know mm-hmm. so he like really throttles down slow so he runs like a good ways and i'm like oh man this might happen quick you know <laughs> and so uh i'm getting this you know footage of him i get some good pretty good pre-roll he comes past this tree in the bottom of the canyon and it's really picturesque and cool and uh he finally you know he finally slows down and walks and he's walking all the way and he gets like 120 115 yards maybe and i'm like okay i need to get the camera down and pull it down the hill a little bit towards where i'm going to get a shot that way it's not just sticking up above the grass way up here you know Mm -hmm. and so pull it down a couple feet and uh get it focused on the area but wide angle right that he's i expect him to come into and um i had mentally prepared to make a 40 yard shot because there was a trail at 39 40 yards you know and i thought okay well that's probably the trail they're going to use they're probably not going to come right up you know here to 27 by this bluff you know they're probably i know which direction they're heading so they're probably going to use that 40 yard trail and uh, so I had definitely, like, prepared for that before he even ever showed up in the picture. And I didn't want to make it, but I did. I decided that I would um, at this point in the year. And I don't know, like, I don't know if that's right or wrong or whatever, but that's how I felt about it. And I had shot at 40 the day before out here and uh, shot well. And so... That's not a unreasonable shot for most white tailors. It's not like you were like, man... I thought I'd take that 65, you know. Right. You know, like, I don't think that you're wrong in that. Yeah. Thought. I mean, I've shot, I've spent lots of time shooting longer distance than that. Um, mm-hmm. I only shot, like, 
50 and 60 a few times this year but 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 in the past years i've shot you know 60 70 80 yards a few times you know um so like i i felt decent about it i was shooting good at 40 the day before and so i was like all right we're good and anyway i set my camera up you know where i I get it wide angle and everything and i'm like all right we're good so i scoot down the hill turn my gopro on it's facing me you know and and, uh i'm kind of laying down or whatever and I'm just waiting on him, and uh, all of a sudden, a few seconds later, I hear the camera go off, the big camera. And I'm like, you can hear it, like, shut down, you know. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I'm like, I forgot to press record on Timed it. out on you. It timed out, so it went on to standby. Most cameras, at least my Canon, is this way. Mm-hmm. When it shuts down, you just hit the record button, and it'll start it back up. Yeah. Or really, just about any button, But I think. But definitely, like, you can hit the record button. So I was like, all right, please work. And I kind of knew in the back of my, my mind, because I think I've tried this before, that it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So I hit the record button. I reach up. You know, it's kind of up here above the grass a little bit. And I reach up real slow, hit the record button, nothing. And so I, I try to reach up to the screen, and I'm going to try to close it. And I'm so I'm, – I could do it, but it would be loud. I'm just so mm-hmm. far and stretched out that I – so I just like pull my hand up. I'm like, all right, whatever. Let me see where this buck's at. Maybe I have a second to get it done. And so I, I raise up real slow out of the grass, and he's at 40. <laughs> on, on, he's at oh, my shooting my spot, goodness. you know. And I'm like, Dad, gummy. He's looking right at me. Mm. He had seen my hand, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, in retrospect, I don't know that this deer couldn't see very good. Like, yeah. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that he really saw like with 100% certainty anything Mm -hmm. because he was not that alert, but he looked at me forever. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I'm like, dadgummit, I've got to do something now. Like I can't, I can't start this thing at this point, you know? So I'm like, all right, well, the GoPro is running. And so I go, I sink back down in the grass. I'm laid back like this on my back, you know, I had planned all this out and like measured it out, you know, and everything in the grass to make sure I was good. And so, um, and then, oh, here's the here's the other here's the kicker is that my decoy is standing like thirty yards in front of him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever saw my decoy. It's like broadside facing right at him, thirty yards. He walked straight to it, and I know like for a while he was in the canyon, he couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. But when he came up onto the kind of the side of that little small bluff where it had it flattens out. I know he could have seen my decoy at that point, and he never once looked at you it. Think he was playing it cool with her, or do you think it was because he's blind? I almost feel like because he couldn't see that well, yeah, and maybe because it wasn't moving, it just didn't really stick out to him mm-hmm. or something. I don't know, but um, or or maybe he was just playing it cool, or maybe he had been looking at it and playing kind of playing it cool, and then he saw me move, and so I never got the chance to see him actually look at it or notice it. But I feel like if he if he'd have seen it, he would have stopped, and there would have been more time before he was at forty yards. You yeah. Know? But anyway, so I I uh, I'm in the grass, you know. I think I might have checked back on him, see if, you know, through the peeking through the grass, and there he is, you know. So, like, I get back on my back and I draw back, and I'm about ready to sit up, and it goes like that. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to hold the bow and, like, sit up and use your abs and everything when you haven't been yeah. doing sit ups. And so, anyway, it almost took off on me, but I got it back. And, uh, and so, like, I sit up, like, super slow. You can see me, like, struggling, you know. And, I, and I'm just thinking, all right, I'm going to sit up real slow. And then, like at the last second, I'm gonna I'm gonna get everything anchored, and then at the last second, I'm gonna raise up over the top of the grass, you know, just a couple more inches. And so I get uh, it. T- it's actually it was really hard to get anchored after that. So yeah. like, 
when you draw back and you're sitting up when you're upright, you draw back, you're just, I can put it, you know, like I don't need to even wiggle around hardly. Like mm-hmm. I go to my spot and, uh, I practice going to my spot and not wiggling around. But like when you draw on the ground and then have to sit up there, like you're not anchoring down here, or at least I didn't anchor mm-hmm. and then try to get up, you know, with everything in line. So when I get up there, I have to anchor and like, I'm like, Holy I don't know where my spots are anymore. <laughs> like it was the weirdest thing. It's like your mind starts freaking out, you know, and, and you're in a different spot when you draw and you're trying to find your spot. So finally I like lock in. I'm like, okay, I think I'm good. I'm like moving my mouth. I'm like, am I supposed to be touching here? Or, mm, no, I can't feel the fletching. So I think I'm good, you know? And, uh, but I finally kind of like felt like it was okay. And the whole time he's staring at me and I just don't know that he couldn't see me that, mm-hmm. you know, at all or, or whatever. So, um, Anyway, I knew that he was at 40, and I put my 40 on him and shot, and it looked way back to me. Mm. But it was, and it wasn't getting that, I mean, it wasn't, it was really like good good camera light and everything, you know? I mean, it was plenty of time, but just like, I couldn't, I couldn't see my arrow that good for some reason. I don't know what it was, but when, when it hit, it looked like it was like mid-body left and right, and maybe like lower third or whatever. So I, uh, that I hit him or whatever. And so like, I he takes off and I kind of charge up the hill to get the camera set and I get the, I get the camera kind of going and set and he stops and like 40 yard, he runs like 40 yard and stops. So, um, I like for a long time, he sat there for 82 yards. I ranged him finally. And I was like, I need to get another arrow in this guy. And I thought he would just fall right there and he didn't. So I, I'm getting my arrow out of my quiver and everything. And, um, last time we've done so much running around up there. Mm-hmm. Last time we were up there, I just destroyed my 60 yard pin. And so I've only got a 50 at this point and I've got an 82 yard shot. And so like, I just make a like prayer of a guess, you know, and <laughs> you could see the arrow come in the frame. It's like, no, nowhere close. I mean, I thought you said you were good left and right. On the the second shot, yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like left and right, it may, it was good. I mean, yeah. it was going that way when I lost it. Yeah. At eighty two yards, it's hard to see the Did arrow. You lose so it completely? Fun. Is it gone? No, I got it? it. I got good. it next morning. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it felt good left and right. But I don't know if my bow is tuned that well right now. Mm-hmm. And so, like, who knows? Like, once it got out there past like forty fifty yards, what it did? I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, could have hit any kind of wind or whatever it wasn't really windy but you could have done whatever so but you can see it come into the frame and it's at a different angle than the camera so like it's hard to tell left and right yeah, sure. um, at that point um but it was way low mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean like like a few feet like yeah. several feet uh like i don't think it would have hit him in the hoof if it had been in line with that mm-hmm. even so um my guess was very wrong i guess you know my bow's slower than i think it is but <laughs> um Anyway, so at that point, he takes off from 82 to about 145 and stops again, and he sits there forever. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I texted you, you know, and just to let you know, I'd shot him, and uh, and I'm, like, thinking he's going to lay down over there. He doesn't forever, so I'm, like, finally, I'm, like, maybe I can sneak up. There's just not a lot of terrain, but maybe there's enough once I get down there that I can sneak up on him. <clears throat> so I start to head down the side of the hill, you know, in the grass there with my, my bow and my arrow and the GoPro. And uh, he hears me. Like, I guess, I don't think he heard the grass as much as he heard, like, my loud hard-soled boot, like, hit a rock or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, stomp it, you know. 
And so he kind of pins me on the side of that hill for another like three or four or five minutes. And finally he turns his head back again forward. He's in bad shape. I mean, I could see where I'd hit him uh, from the exit side, but I mm-hmm. could never see where it entered. And he uh, he's just sitting there like low head and everything. So I know he's hit good, but I'm pretty sure it's just straight liver mm-hmm. and probably some stomach or whatever. So I uh, I try to stalk him and I get out there like, probably 60 yards towards him and he takes off running for like 30 40 yards and then just walks away um just like he had done after i shot at him at 82 and so i knew the direction he was headed and i was like all right well i don't want to just keep bumping him because eventually he's going to run off this property and and so i he's going to be right close to the middle of this property at this point probably and i'm just going to leave him there for the night come back early in the morning and hope hope for the best you know so went home or went to you know went to the hotel, ate. I had like this strange peace about the whole thing. Like guys are always like you know, oh, I'm not gonna get any sleep tonight, you know. And I don't know if they mean it or not. Sometimes they may just be saying that to be have something to say on camera, you know. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel that way. Like I was tired as heck, so like yeah. I definitely uh, didn't feel like I wasn't gonna sleep great. But I was I was worried for sure. But I went and watched the video, and um, I could see how much blood was coming out as he was standing there, at 82 especially, and how bad he looked like he felt, and that the shot, you know, maybe wasn't quite as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I, like, I went to bed with this piece or whatever, and I woke up at 5.30, which is kind of natural for me, I guess, anyway. Um and thought I could go back to sleep maybe, but I didn't. And so I got up and kind of took my time getting ready and walking out the door. I got out about the time, you know, it started getting light, headed that way. Sun came up on my way out to the place and beautiful morning. I mean, just like calm and ultra bluebird, clear skies. Sunset was ama- or sunrise was amazing. Um, you know, some geese running, uh, flying around and everything. Man, it was just a good morning. And, um, so I felt, you know, I felt pretty good about it, but I also was like, okay, well I need, I thought I need to go down and find the the blood spots, try to find my arrow. That'll give me some time to like, for the shadows to not be so long. And, you know, that way I'll have a higher sun and be able to find them easier in the grass maybe. So I go down there, look at the blood. I found both blood spots, find my arrow. I go to the furthest blood spot. I cannot find blood trail leading anywhere. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. I don't even have like a general. I mean, I've got a general direction from what I saw last night, but I was at a 180 degree difference as when I came in to the area this uh, morning or whatever. So anyway, I'm sitting there like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure it was this way. It's similar direction to where the saddle is. So I would think he would kind of head back that way anyway. So I'm kind of like not trying to go to exactly where I think he is at first. I'm just going to try to find blood and I go up this two track and try to find blood in the two track, you know, instead of trying to find it in CRP grass and, uh, don't see any. And I kind of work around a glass. And so I probably spent like 45 minutes or more. or probably about 45 minutes doing that. Um, after I found the arrow and everything. And, um, uh, finally it started getting pretty light and I was like, okay, um, I'm going to, go right over here i put took my arrow back to the truck i was like i'm gonna go right back over here i knew that where he where he was going was right about where i parked my truck and uh anyway he was um i went pretty much the first canyon i checked a little like 
draw off that ridge that they came over. They come over there that I checked. He was uh, in the bottom of it. And mm. so, look, how far from the original original shot location? Four hundred, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I never ranged it, but probably like he's probably another uh, two hundred fifty yards or so, maybe from where um, he stood the second time. You know. So I mean, I is not not far really, um, and I I think he, I, when I saw him the first so I saw him, I was pretty close, you know. But looking down on him, mm-hmm. and uh, like immediately, I knew there was nothing left. Like the first time, the first Wait. as soon as I saw him, there was no meat left on the entire carcass. It's just bones. Just straight up bones. <sighs> I mean, like. If you followed it on social media, like you could see, it was just a rib cage with like the bones, like you, they had meat had been eaten out from between the bones, even on a lot of it, you know, and just they gnawed the shanks down to nearly the hoofs on most of his legs. Coyotes, coyotes, and and I mean, I hadn't, I shot him at about, I would guess like five fifteen, maybe. Yeah, and um, I got I got out to that area at. 7.30, so 14 hours, Yeah, you know. Um, they had found him and ate the whole thing. I mean, they pulled the stomach off to the side and left it there and ate every every single organ that he had and, like I said, chewed all the way down to almost his hoof on almost every leg. And there was uh, – they, the, they ate the skin off of almost the whole deer. The, there was not even much fur left. That's nuts. It was nuts, dude. Like, And, and the, the one thing that was – that that gave me comfort in the whole situation was that like it didn't look like there was a big struggle there. Yeah. Like I, I want to make myself believe that he died from the arrow pretty quickly. And with the footage you have, I think you can kind of yeah. Assume that. I mean, he was bleeding good yeah. and and didn't feel good. So that's I want to I want to think that you know, and I hope that that's the case. In looking at the area, it looked like there was not much struggle mm-hmm. there. You know, so that's a. That's a that's a good thing I guess out of the whole situation, but I mean there was literally there's no meat left, and um, so and not that like I don't know a twelve year old buck is not going to taste that great, but I don't have any meat, you know, and yeah. so like it it was disappointing in that manner. It was uh, disappointing <clears throat> because this deer has if he's twelve years old like I think he is, which I don't see how he's not at least twelve. Um, if he was nine in twenty fifteen. Um, this deer has lived through, I've been up there where it was five, negative five and snowing. And I have been up there in 2011 in the summertime when it was 117 degrees and he's lived through all that Mm -hmm. and the drought that, that, that those high, you know, 60 days or whatever, 45 days of hundred degree temperatures we had that year it created a drought that created EHD on our property, like massive outbreak. Um, we're still not even close to recovered from it. He, uh, he lived through all that, man. And that's just, that's crazy to me. Like, um, that a deer can live in such a harsh climate where the wind blows nonstop. There's not really anything to eat except for he's lucky. He lives in an area where there is usually most years, um, one ag field to kind of get them through the winter Mm -hmm. months. Uh, but they put cows on it, so it's not just like crazy you, yeah. good food or whatever, you know. I mean, I guess it's enough, but 
just a tough animal, man. And also to be 12 years old and kind of hobbling around and not be eaten by coyotes alive already. You yeah, know what and I mean? probably can't see. And probably can't see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily, and you know. If you if you listen often, then you know that. Uh, probably know. I think we talked about this that our last hunt where we saw him, coyotes messed that hunt up. Yeah. Yes. You know? I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So coyotes have kind of been like a continued problem. It's kind of been a joke until this hunt, but like there's a bunch of coyotes in that country. Yeah. And uh, they kind of screwed that hunt up where we didn't ever see that not that uh, big eight again. Mm-hmm. And so we knew there were quite a few of them in the area as yep. is, yep. you know, and it, it, but like we just really didn't think about like the impact that they really could have, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, just crazy. I've never, I've never seen that happen, man. Like the, I, honestly, I've never seen a deer get hit by coyotes at all uh, in a first person scenario, but I know people who have like lost a hindquarter. Mm-hmm. Or like you know had the the rumen split open or whatever, mm-hmm. but for a whole deer to be consumed in one night, like less than a twenty four hour period, that's just that's unfathomable mm-hmm. to me. And, and I think they usually start at the stomach, yeah, right. And they'll, like they'll rip open rip open the abdomen, eat all the soft stuff, and then work their way right. elsewhere usually. And and I don't know that. I don't know this for a fact or not, but I feel like they would start from the rear usually and work their way forward uh, because just all the like, good ham meat, you know, or whatever down there. Mm-hmm. So this deer was literally eaten up to the skull. Yeah, I'm talking the whole neck was just a spinal column mm-hmm. all the way up to the base of the skull. It it just blew my mind, man. And so uh, just a very unfortunate way to find him. Um, more than anything, probably just because of the respect that I have for, like, a deer that's 12 years old that's lived out in the middle of just remote area that's a brutal climate, n- not a whole lot of shelter from the elements, you know, yeah. and just has made it that long and been shot with an arrow, you know, yeah. and just, golly, it's sure. just that respect that I have for that animal. Um, I just wanted to see you know, I wanted to see it be done differently. And I, and I know that, uh, you know, those coyotes are there and they're hungry mm-hmm. and I, and you know, people talk about this a lot. Um, you know, that like the movement right now is to eat, eat what you kill, you know, and we're, we're going to show on Instagram how like, um, how much the meat means to us instead of the horns, you know, like we try to balance that out and show people that, you know, we, we enjoy the meat and everything and that's good. And it does mean a lot. But um, my dad has said this before, and he said it the other day as well. And but I, like I've kind of adopted this as well. But nothing goes to waste. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, those coyotes now have to eat less rabbits, you know, or whatever it might be. Like they they won't dig around for rabbits for a couple of days, and so maybe a couple more cottontails survive or whatever it is. You know, like there this there's uh, certain I guess elements of bio that will still get to survive because something else fed you know yeah and like i remember when the bp oil spill that happened several years ago mm-hmm. in the gulf mm-hmm. they started finding out that like there was uh organisms that were eating the oil really? out there in I the ocean yeah and like it was not nearly as big a deal as it as the as, as everybody made it out to be but uh, they, you know, people still wanted their money from that big oil company, so yeah, sure. they went after them, and they didn't really talk about that much. That's at least that's what I, I heard. So, 
con- conspiracy podcast to come later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but you know what? My whole point is no, that like you. things eat things, right? Yeah. And uh, and nothing goes to waste. Luckily, you know there will be bugs that feed off that carcass too. So. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever's left there. But I did um, I did flip them over, and the skin that they hadn't eaten on the other side was mm-hmm. actually the entry side. And I got a picture of, of it. I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't send you that, did I? Mm-mm. The shot was better than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was low, but it would have been lungs, I believe, if I had hit higher. If I'd hit, like, halfway point or up. So it was a lungs. solid liver shot. Yeah, it was just straight... I mean, it, it definitely hit the stomach, too. Yeah. Uh, because I think of well, the, the angle. angle it, was, it was just slightly quartered, too. I mean, it was basically broadside. But it was enough that, like, liver and stomach kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, which they sit right there. But, so. I mean, there's a big difference in nicking the liver and, like, solidly hitting the right. liver. You know, if you solidly hit a liver, that's that's as vital as anything else. Mm-hmm. It just might take a touch longer to bleed out. But, yeah. Yeah. So it was it was not a, as – I felt better about that, too. Like, because – a big part of it, of like the sadness, I guess, of the whole situation was that like this beast of an animal that had lived so long, I kind of like part of what I was shooting him for was pity a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, I don't think he's going to make it through January. Yeah, he would have I mean? died frozen. Right. right. Or eaten alive by coyotes because he was, you know, stove up from yeah. being cold at night, you know, or whatever. And honestly, this is, this is strange and no way to prove, but... Uh, the first time we saw him, those coyotes may have been tracking that sucker. I, I thought the same thing when you were talking about it just a second ago. Because yeah, yeah. they came over the ridge five minutes after on the same trail that yeah. he was on. Yeah. So who knows, dude? He might have been fending them things off for the past month. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, nature's, nature can be ugly. And um, I guess they got what they wanted in the end. But I'm just hoping that it was like a little – I was hoping for it to be very swift. I'm just mm-hmm. hoping it was more swift than a January night, you know, yeah. Zero degrees or whatever. Yeah. I know you've kind of had problems with, like, finding joy in this. Um, and I'm not saying that I, like, talked you into being happy about this. But I do think that, like, maybe since you've had some time and reflection or whatever, you feel better about it now than you did, like, when it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm glad to see that. Because at the end of the day, we're hunters. We kill things. And we're supposed, like, in in, in whatever weird way it is, we find enjoyment in that, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, it is a success. It just, you didn't end up with everything you wanted out of it, Yeah, you know? Man, I'm glad you just said that that way because, like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because everybody's trying to answer the, the question of, like, why do you hunt? Mm-hmm. Because they want to be able to defend themselves against, like, an animal rights activist or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, I just, I feel like sometimes that um, maybe we just don't really know why we hunt. You know what yeah, I mean? I know exactly what you, you know, mean. Like I, I can't explain it. I don't hate the animals. I don't think that I'm not out there trying to cut heads off of animals, you know, and mm-hmm. take the head with me. I'm not trophy hunting or whatever you want to call it. But like, uh, the whole experience is something that I enjoy doing, and I can't explain to you why it's something that I love so much. Mm-hmm. But I do. I can I can give you like well I love being out in nature. I like I like eating meat. I like uh, meat that I know. Uh, has lived a wild free life 12 years on the plains you know mm-hmm. whatever I, I there are reasons but like i just don't know that all of them or most of these ones that people are giving right now are like all that justifiable in most people's minds anyway that mm-hmm. are against it so like and and i and even in my mind like logically i think somebody makes a point about it you know 
well, we hunt to manage the herds. Well, you know. They'll manage themselves. Yeah, they will eventually manage themselves. (laughs) You know, like it will, uh, and it may, you know, people talk, well, it'll swing really hard, you Mm -hmm. know. Well, um, you know, prior to there being 6 billion or 7 billion people on earth, it probably swung pretty hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's one of those things that like I have a hard time explaining. It's kind of like uh, and maybe this it's a lot different too. But like, like your faith, you know, like I don't know. There's some things that you're just not meant to know, and you can't explain. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where faith comes in. And I have faith in in hunting. Yeah. I have faith in hunting. You <laughs> Me <know>? too. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, like uh, that. I don't know. But I'm glad you said that because I, that's another thing I've been thinking about here. You know, like. With with uh, I've been th- I'm just thinking about that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, well, it's, it's exciting that I got to do that. And like, this is definitely the oldest deer. Yeah, that I will probably I ever earlier, have a chance. This is one of at. the rarest animals on earth. Yeah, a 12 year old whitetail is like only time you hear about that stuff is does down in the Florida Keys. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that, that's they've old, never old, old. they've never uh, seen a, fr- a freezing temperature in their life. Yeah, you know. And we're talking about a buck that's like survived, survived many blizzards that would kill humans. Harsh, dude. Yeah, harsh climate, man. Um, with and not not a cornfield in sight. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, in this particular area, there's not a cornfield within ten miles, miles yeah. maybe. You know, so a pretty uh pretty awesome animal. I'm very proud. Uh, I called my buddy Anthony. Um, and told Did him. Did you tell him? Okay. I told him on the way. Yeah, uh, and I. <laughs> This is the great. guy who shot the animal high in the shoulder. Yeah, in 2015. Yeah. And it was it was the greatest because I called him. Did you record him. that? No, I should have. Oh. But, dude, I called him, and I was like, hey, uh, and I was kind of on my way home, so I was going through some in and out of good service, you know. So I called him, and I said, hey, man, I got I got some, you know, we, we kind of said, hey, what's up? You know, what's up? Hey, I got, a, I got something that you probably won't, you're going to have a hard time believing this, but I got something for you. He goes, all right, let me know what it is. I said, I, last night I shot Frankenstein and I lost service. And he goes, he goes, are you kidding? And I lost service. <laughs> perfect. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And so it was like, uh, and so I called him back and it went straight to his voicemail. I was like, Oh crap. You know? So I called him again. It finally went through. He goes, Hey man, I said, how dramatic was that, dude? <laughs> I just called him and also, and told him the news and then it just hung up, you know? So yeah. Pretty good. That's but, cool. What do you anyway. think? Oh, he was happy. You yeah. know, I didn't, I didn't know, like, I didn't want him to feel sad about it. Cause I know at the time he was pretty eat up about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, three years, you know, makes a difference in a lot of situations. Sure. I mean, the worst of the worst can happen sometimes. And three years later, you know, a person understands things a little better, has some clarity in that. And, uh, and, I, and so I think, I think he, I mean, he sounded super happy to me mm-hmm. and, and, uh, like it was a really cool story. So I, I definitely want to like get a chance to show him the rack, you know, yeah. sometime and just let him hold it and, and see it, you know, everything like that. So it wasn't like it was, you know, it was a, it was a cool buck, an old buck once in a lifetime kind of deal for most people, like even at nine, like how mm-hmm. many people are shooting nine year old deer, you know? Um, so it was definitely that for him, but it wasn't a 200. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a little less sickening, I guess, probably, but yeah. uh, still was tough. But yeah, he seemed super happy. And um, anyway, it was, it was, man, it was a cool experience for sure. And, and like, just also like from a game game plan standpoint, felt very good um, that that happened the way it happened. Because mm-hmm. this place is... Like you, I mean, when we talked about it. I mean, there's a pinch there for sure, but like they could go up and around over the top of this this uh, north and south. Oh, bluff. the second time when we hunted him, 
they ended up going way further south. We thought we glassed him at like almost a mile. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a long ways. Yeah. And then the the does that came through. Uh, where he came through this time, mm-hmm. they went up uh, kind of, you thought they went up above that bluff. Yeah, they kind of stayed high. Yeah, and so, like, they can do that out here. It's not um, it's not uh, um, a shelter belt where you've got 80 yards for them to go through, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. So um, it was cool that it all worked out just like I had planned it to work out and the wind was right and I did it all. And honestly, like, I love hunting with you, but uh, that was my f- that was my first solo sit in Kansas in a while. Yeah, and um, I didn't I didn't like I wasn't looking forward to spending three or four days doing that. Mm-hmm. But like that first afternoon, it was kind of cool. Kind of cool, just yeah. me versus the plane. That's right, right. and yeah. it was it was it was weird because like. Um, and I'll, I, I've got this. I'm starting to like work on work up the film and like maybe a kind of a monologue just to kind of. Um, if it wasn't, if it was just some three year old that we killed on permission, you know, mm. it, I wouldn't be so intent on this. But I kind of have this thought, you know, or whatever. And and part of my my monologue right now, at least, is like this this concept of um, humanity versus like nature versus the deer world, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you've got like as a male, you are um, you're kind of like kicked out at a pretty young age to like take on the world as your own in both the deer world and the human world. Right. Mm-hmm. But as humans and like intelligent beings, we're responsible to, um, have like family values and community values. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like social, we have more social aspects probably, um, than like some buck out there in on the plains. Right. Yeah. And so it's weird how like, you know, I get sent out on my own, but then I still rely on people that I have relationships with. And like you and I hunted the whole season together out there, you know, but this deer lives out there for 12 years and like probably, especially in the last few years, almost like an entirety by himself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially the last few years. I mean, there's definitely bachelor groups in the summer um, and then, you know, chasing does around in the winter. But uh, a lot of lonely living out there for yeah. for an animal, and then to have like these two two males out there on the plains coming together, it was just a weird um, thing, you know, that happened where like these, you know, it's like two solo dudes out there on the plains meet within forty yards of each other, and and I, I feel like the thing, the epiphany that hit me this morning was that like how weird it was that he stood at me, stared at me for so long. Yeah. And it was almost like, this sounds so stupid hippie, you know, but like, <laughs> it was almost like it was his time, you yeah. know, and he knew it, you yeah. know, I don't, and I know that's not the case. Right. But, mm-hmm. but it was almost like whether he knew it or not, God knew it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it was his time and we're going to do this quicker so that this deer, you know, doesn't die. I know there's deer that die all the time out in the cold, old age, maybe, but nature is a violent death always. Yeah, it never is easy. That not, I don't think there's many deer that actually go out and bed down some January twenty first and die. Yeah, normally they're going to get eaten. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they're going to get shot. Most of them in most areas of the U.S. deer are getting shot before they're five or six years yeah. old, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, you got the Rockies where there's some weird pockets of whitetails and other animals that that may live for a long time. But, you know, there's not a whole lot of places, especially east of the Mississippi, where a deer doesn't get shot 
before it's fully mature. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, sure. I mean, it, other than maybe does, I guess, you know, sometimes. But, but still, I mean, they're not going to most likely live till 12, and then, like, all the other does gather around them in a circle as they slowly slip yeah. away like we do as humans. Like, right. Normally, some fanged creature is going to have a go at its throat. Yeah. You know, that's the way it goes. That's scary to think about. Like, yeah. if that was our life. That is death to deer. Yeah. We think of death as, like, you know, slowly slipping away. And in a hospital light. You know? Yeah. That's not what – deer don't have that function, and they're probably better for it. Because can you imagine, like, living your whole life knowing that you're going to go through an agonizing way out? And it's creepy to think about, like, a deer being alive and being eaten. Like, what is that deer thinking while X coyote is literally feet from it, yeah. just eating it, you know, yeah. or grabbing its neck, you know? Yeah. It's just weird. It's yeah, tough. It's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, that right there, that's the stuff that if you are a reflective hunter, that's the stuff that gives you that next level respect for these creatures, oh, yeah. man. Yep. Because, sure. like, how many of us could look death in the eye? And just let it happen. Yeah, that would be. We're created different, man. Be I mean, tough. Luckily, luckily, I think we're created different. Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, in a blessed way, we are created yeah. different. You know, yeah. But nice to have some AC and heat too. You know, <laughs> no, so. that's right. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, uh, enough of like the deep dark sure. stuff. Um, what What'd you learn out of that whole deal, man? Let's talk like from from strictly a hunting standpoint. You know, like strategy or like equipment or whatever like what what did what this thing with frank teach you um i a few come to mind pretty quick um one my dad doesn't have a lot of faith in the way we hunt sometimes Mm -hmm. uh especially when it comes from the ground and i know like we don't either sometimes yeah because casey has missed two deer this year yeah it's hard dude it's Mm -hmm. hard to shoot from the ground it's hard to uh it's hard to get drawn from the ground it's hard to navigate from the ground and not be seen it's a hard thing to do luckily you and i have placed ourselves in a position that we can uh go multiple times but if like if you're the guy that's out there listening to this thing and you got two weeks every year find a stand to sit in you know what yeah. i mean like do not go try to <laughs> or the really 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 manage expectations for what you're going right. to shoot. yeah yeah if you want to go and stalk a whitetail then go and stalk a whitetail right the, I, I mean, I'm not telling you if not to. it's legal, to, shoot it. But it's going to be real <laughs> tough to shoot a mature buck from the ground. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're just few and far between for one, yeah. you know. So you have fewer targets to go after. Um, but, yeah, like um, being – I know my dad, like, he doesn't – it's not that he doesn't think that I can get it done because he's seen me get it done in unorthodox ways over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but But he knows how hard it is, and he's – very realistic to say mm-hmm. the least you know what i mean so like uh just to be able to to get it done uh from the ground in the middle of the wide open man just and have that deer come where i thought he was going to like just makes you feel good and i guess i just learned that um you know i learned how to get it done there and that shows me that in other places that may be similar or i can set up similarly that I could get it done elsewhere as well, but mm-hmm. to use certain things like elevation to to get my bow drawn instead of grass, thin grass or something maybe, you know, yeah. like, uh, and then um, also like equipment wise, 
I probably need to bump up to a different bow next year. Yeah. I just, I feel like um, I hit low on that deer, and I don't know how I, this definitely probably had to do with me kind of yanking it or whatever. Um, but I just, I, you know this, and I've, if you've listened to the podcast for the last couple of years, you know this as well, but I've struggled with confidence in my bow, and it, I don't feel like it's me not being able to shoot very well necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm the greatest shot by any means, but um, like I've struggled with like I can focus and I'm good at focusing for the most part and I can focus in my backyard and still not hit great groups sometimes, mm-hmm. a lot of times. And I think it just has to do with with my bow and I'm not, I don't know how to tune arrows really. And so if it falls out of tune and I haven't taken it back to the shop and had somebody mess with it, I mean, it's going to be out of tune a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so just like that kind of, that aspect, like I want, I want to be able to shoot accurately. I want to be able to just Robin Hood arrows if I, if I want to at 30 yards, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so um, I'm not willing to spend two grand on that necessarily. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a point where I go, okay, well, accuracy is enough. I really don't want to, trick my bow out so hard that I'm like shooting in USA competitions or anything. Um, but I want to be able to shoot accurately. I think you can achieve that with newer bows these days. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, something I, I like what you've got going on. I like the, the power, um, as far as, you know, being able to shoot a heavy arrow still, you're shooting faster than me, you know? Mm-hmm. So just, that's kind of, that's kind of one thing like I learned is that I probably should go ahead and step up next year. Um, that way, I have more confidence um, in my shooting, and I, I didn't make a terrible shot. Yeah, but I sure. didn't. I but I, if I'd have double lunged him and he'd gone down there forty yards and f- tipped over, I'd have felt a lot better about everything. You sure, know? yeah. So, um, there's that. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you with with the tracking and the coyotes eating him and everything. Um, I don't think that I did anything wrong. Um, yeah, sure. I and I because and you Justin. Is the main kicker there? Yeah. What what episode was that? That was twenty one, I think. Dealing with a loss. Dealing with a loss. Justin Rye. Similar go, shot. Go right? back and listen to it. Very similar shot. Low, and I, I don't know. His might have even been a little bit forward, but I think he was still under the lungs a bit. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, low liver, and there was bile on it as well. We could smell, you know, uh, because it kicked out off one of those ribs. It kicked out back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was uh, that deer was a straight liver hard liver shot bled a lot more than the deer that i shot this you know this year uh frankenstein bled a lot man um same property uh different property and we 30 i think 36 hours later we're still chasing him he was still running across the plains away from us you know it's just it's so that like that was going through my mind the whole time with this and i was like i gotta at least give him the night you Mm -hmm. know i'm I'm out here by myself. Like, I'm not going to be stomping around out here with a flashlight trying to, you know, trail a deer that's probably not leaving a great blood trail and uh, just bumping him all over the place. Mm-hmm. I had to leave him. And I got up and got out there as early, you know, it wasn't at daybreak, but like I said, I was driving out there when the sun was coming up. Yeah. And what I was going to, I was trying to say earlier is that you're the guy who hates the idea of leaving a deer overnight. Yeah. Like, I know that about you. You haven't said it much, but like, I, when we've watched outdoor TV and people are like, oh, we're going to let them see it, you're like, 
you didn't have to let that deer sit. You're just Smoked doing it him. for the camera light. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Not, that's not you. you yeah. Know, so. I, I don't. I don't like it, but I also. Um, recommend it if it's if, yeah, if it's, it's needed that situation you know what I mean? yeah yeah and that's that's kind of where you were you tried to make it not that situation you yeah. know and i i think that what you did with trying to get that second shot is like a really cool thing that no one ever tries to think about on whitetail mm-hmm. you know and it's the open country kind of lends itself to that sure, so yeah. it makes sense but i think that's you know if you'd been able to hit him with that second shot which it's not like you do anything wrong. It's just second shots are just always that, you know. Just eighty-two yards. If you've already got an animal and something, I mean, an arrow and something, try. Yeah, know? yeah, that's how it was, man. I just get I winged it out there and tried, man, and ruined a fifteen-dollar broadhead in the dirt, you know. But that's, I mean, at that point, like fifteen bucks is 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 worth it, you know, yeah. from my perspective and also just if you respect the animal a little bit, you probably mm-hmm. should be flinging some stuff, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. I tried and 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 that's the thing is man, I like I said Justin's deer, we waited 24 hours on Justin's deer and I kicked it up 24 hours later, you mm-hmm. know, or maybe even a little bit more and we were still chasing that deer across the plains later that evening. And it was just so that was in my my mind the whole time. <clears throat> Great shot that Justin made, uh, maybe just a touch low. And so I, I was thinking about that the whole time. But I went back early in the morning, and the coyotes are just, you know, I, I, don't, I haven't told you this maybe, but uh, I might have. But uh, you know, Luke Lehay was one of the guys on the Big Buck Breakdown. He's a friend of ours. Um, I talked to him. He lives up in there in Kansas, and. Um, talked to him you know i was like hey he was maybe gonna come take some pictures you know for me uh i was like you know i probably don't need one this time a camera guy this time because yeah. uh, there's not much to take pictures of you know but uh we were talking he said he said man coyotes are a big problem up here in this state right now he said nobody traps anymore because they can't can't even cover their costs Pelts you know? aren't worth anything yeah i looked it up yeah because i was like you know, can I go up there and at least make it worth my time to go do that a little bit? Mm. You can't. No, that's. I mean, I've, uh, that's what I hear now. It's like it's not even that you can't. You don't make money, but you don't cover your costs, and mm. so like it's it would be like hunting, but trapping instead. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, you have to do it because you like to do it. Yeah, and so nobody traps anymore. We used to have a guy um, that trapped that spot uh, about a decade ago yeah. down there, and we were kind of like, oh man, why, like why do they have to let a trapper come in here, you know? But in retrospect, like looking at it, it probably was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, probably don't want him in there in like November, mm-hmm. but hey, January come, go on, you yeah. know, do what you got to do. That's yeah. when the pelts are good anyway, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that it was it was probably a good thing, and you know, looking at it, we we've seen lots of different and heard lots of different uh, studies on um, coyotes and predation and all this and that and removing them from properties and doing your trapping and all that. You know, we 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 heard a presentation on that. Uh, at the QDMA convention, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of research that shows that it may really not do a whole lot to do that. But I have to think that, like, if it's March and you shoot a couple of coyotes off of a property, that there's a chance that you save at least one or two fawns, mm-hmm. right? And if that one fawn is a buck that in five years turns out to be a great buck, like you did something good. Shoot one or two fawns out there is a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, we're not talking about a place that has deer going everywhere. No, no. Yeah, it's a, I mean, per acre out there, there are not very many deer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, to to save one, man, is is definitely a big deal. So that's... 
that's kind of how it feels. Like maybe we should go uh, shoot some coyotes at some point. I know, I know you're. I mean, the, you know all about it. You know. I'm not saying that I was a professional, but I was a professional. <laughs> <laughs> He's a trained assassin. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh yeah. There's a lot of feelings that I'll probably like look back at this podcast. But, ah, I didn't really. Um, no, that was good, man. that very well, but I'm glad I waited to hear the full tale. Yeah. So he was the only deer you saw that night. Yeah, I mean, I figured there would be more coming, but uh, they probably saw me jacking around up there, and I was hyper focused. So. Passing that deer, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I mean, I was thinking like maybe there was a deer like coming over the hill when I was getting ready to shoot him. Who yeah. knows, you know? But it's strange that he was always the leader. You always think about the bucks being later. Well, here's what I here's my theory on that is that because his body was not was like rejecting nutrients and mm-hmm. not or not taking them in like you know it used to i think he was having to i think he was getting super hungry mm-hmm. by the time you know it started getting dark and i think he was just i think he just felt the need to get up there and eat because he was hungry you know he just didn't yeah i'm have ready any energy i'm ready to look at these teeth yeah because that's that's like the the big reason from what i understand is that they can't process their food as good as other deer so therefore no matter how much they eat or what they do because remember jack shot that cactus buck last year it it had the same thing very very old deer i mean talking like seven plus years old Mm -hmm. and where that area they say it came from like they don't live longer than that Mm -hmm. you know because it's just tough the it's and it's all about their tooth wear their teeth wear at that age so much that they cannot take in nutrients and they end up dying Mm -hmm. and that's probably frank was probably dealing with some of that you know even though he was probably eating more than his fair share of wheat he just could not digest it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i know it's uh it's it's it was nuts man like my arrow was green you know from where it hit so um he's definitely was eating eating it up but you think it's been you know 12 hours since he had actually eaten wheat and he still had a full stomach of it yeah you know what i mean right Jack's, jack's deer the cactus buck had a full stomach of live oak leaves. Couldn't digest it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't couldn't chew it up. Yeah. It's crazy, man. So it's, it's brutal. Just be yeah. glad we're humans, you know. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So, anyway. That's cool, dude. Cool, it was definitely, you know, cool story. Lots of history. Like there's a very like there's a there's a high likely that I'll highly like or high likelihood there you go. that I will never even see another twelve year old plus deer in the mm-hmm. wild. You know what I mean? So yeah. pretty uh pretty cool experience um i'm still looking forward i'm very much looking forward to getting out and killing something that i can eat at this mm-hmm. point you know mm-hmm. what i mean like something in its prime yeah. so now you you about to zone in on that texas pub huh yeah yeah i am so as soon as the rain stops if that ever happens <laughs> actually it's going oh no, no it's yeah, raining it's going mm-hmm. it's yep. just quieter <laughs> yep, yep. so i'm uh that's that's the plan man i mean I'd like to kill a buck, but pretty much if it comes by and it's legal right now, mm-hmm. I'm smoking it. So. Yeah. What about you? Uh, well, I still have a freezer that is fairly elk stock- stocked, but mm-hmm. I still need to kill another deer to make it for the whole year because I split that elk with my parents. So I have half a bull right. as opposed to a whole bull. Um, and I have pretty much I have a hindquarter that's whole in my freezer for my elk still, and then like four four pound and a half of ground so i'm kind of getting kind of low pretty quick on ground and really? that's probably what i'll do 
So Dude, I, you'll be through that before deer season nearly. Yeah, through the ground I will. The yeah. stuff that's ground now. That hind quarter. Oh, probably you're going to grind some of the hind quarter. Probably most of it. I got you. I'm going to leave the whole shank, but I'll still probably get 30 bags off of it, which will last me for a while. But I still need more. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd really like to get up there and, and shoot one of those big-bodied suckers. You know? Yeah, I know. I know, and, man. Uh, Maybe get a doe while we're up there too. I just want a doe, period. Like even if it's a little <laughs> bitty one here, <laughs> yeah. just, I just need something. Yeah, so that's a uh, like where I was passing them this year. It ain't happening no more. No, but no, but it's getting that time of year, man. It's it's like season isn't wrapping up, but like we're looking at the end. Yeah, it's staring us in the face right no. now. I, in a know? day like today, I'm like getting fishing hype all of a sudden. Dude, it's weird. I did that too. Yeah, like I've been looking at the seashore stuff. Yeah, I'm just getting hyped about going and doing some surf fishing. I want to go, man. Let's like I, I want to do that. Is it, here's a question I have for you, and this probably shouldn't even be done on the podcast, but um, <laughs> is uh, can you go down there and and like bring home good food, like a decent amount, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking about like two or three fish, but like could you bring home like seven or eight? Your limit eaters? of reds is is three a day, so you can bring home six reds plus. But I mean, like, I believe your bonus twenty eight over. You get yeah. one tag for that. Then you, your limit of trout is like ten. I think it depends on where you're at on the coast. I mean, I'm just saying, like on a on a DIY, like doing what you've done before. Like, could I go down there and stock up on some stuff, or is it just? probably pretty hard to like actually bring home a bunch of good eating fish i think it's 50 50 chance yeah i mean just not living there um it's hard to plan out trips and make them on the right weekend or the right time you know but if you hit it right which is not that hard to do as long as you're willing to like go what's go after what's there Hmm. and you don't go down there saying i'm gonna go catch redfish right you know i just want to catch good eating fish whatever it is hey listen i don't care what people tell you Black drum and sheephead, as long as they're smaller, are about as good as it gets. Hmm. And those can be caught most days. Really? Yeah. That but sounds fun. Then 50-pound black drum, dude, those are like the waste receptacles of the ocean. Do yeah. not. Uh, they eating diapers. They get real, real bad worms. Oof. Yeah, like bad, bad. Nasty. Yeah. But, Nasty. no, I think that, uh, like, you can go down there on a meat hall. Let's go sure. do it. All right, man. Not today, but soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to go on a meat hall somewhere around yeah. here. Well, thanks for telling me the story, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm pumped. I'm actually about to go outside and see the antlers for the first time. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked about it. Let's go do it, man. All right. All right. Y'all uh, y'all get out there and go kill you a big 12-year-old buck, too. <laughs> Anything else, man? Just uh, look for the video of this, right? I, I haven't got to see any of the footage at all yeah. from this hunt, and I'm excited about it. Uh, I know you had the mishap with the camera. Uh, what I learned from your hunt is that we need a very zoom for that camera real <laughs> yeah, bad no because there's like one little and timeout's over mm-hmm. whenever you have a very zoom. So that'll probably be you were using my camera too. That's another one of kind of like maybe little things yeah. to learn is that you weren't as familiar with that camera as you were your DSLR mirrorless platforms. You know, mm-hmm. so just. Uh, I don't know, maybe familiarize yourself with, with every piece of equipment you're going to use. Not saying that yeah. that didn't affect your, like, Shooting killing the of the deer, yeah. but just, like, for us, you know, getting everything on video. Um, but yeah. anyways, man, it's just always looking for how you can improve yourself for the rest of this season and next season. I Absolutely. think it's a very important thing. If you ever yeah. stop improving or stop trying to improve, you are missing the concept. Yeah, I think so. Man, that's good. That's a good way to wrap it up. Well... God bless you guys, and remember, this is your element. Living it.
Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls. And I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them, Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.